0: The impression of your 55 year old uncle who has been drinking all day during the 4th of July and has a little bit of sunstroke trying trying to play catcher in the major leagues like that's kind of how bad that game was for him
1: Hello, and welcome to Royals Review Podcast. I am your uh, host for today, Matthew Lamar. With me right now is my colleague, Mr. Joshua Ward. How are you doing today?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing uh, pretty good myself. Uh, the Royals are doing pretty good. Um, as we are recording this, it is the day before the trade deadline, and um, There might be some additional trades that happen um, in the deadline uh, between now and the deadline, which I believe is the afternoon, um, in which case they will not be in this uh, episode. Um, But for now, we have two major trades to talk about. One of those trades is uh, the Royals sent uh, Matt Strom, Travis Wood, and Astoria Ruiz to the Padres, the San Diego Padres, that team in baseball that everybody thinks about for four seconds, and then doesn't think about again for another six months.
0: Oh, well, I mean, uh, for Will Myers. <laughs> Will Myers is on the Padres. So, good point. You know, good point. Very good point. Royals fans probably uh, think about them for five seconds. Right,
1: and then uh, there is the whole case of James James Shields, who also went to the Padres.
0: Right the curious case of James Shields who yeah. gave up like 30% home runs per fly bowl in San Diego.
1: Yeah. That man Shields career is kind of weird, but we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent here. They traded the Royals, traded Strom, Wood and Ruiz to the Padres for Trevor Cahill, who's starting pitcher and relievers, Ryan Buchter and Brandon Maurer. Um The Royals were setting out to get some more pitching. Um, They're, Rotation, um, which we sort of thought at the beginning of the year was going to be a, a strength or at least not a weakness, has of course turned into something that could be uh, improved upon. Um, and then, you know, um, there's no Wade Davis and Kelvin Herrera hasn't been as good as he is before, and there's no great Holland, so uh, the bullpen's a little bit more um, more vulnerable. So the Royals are looking to. Uh, improve that and they went and they did it Uh, so Cahill has been very good starting this year although he's been uh, iffy the last the previous couple years which is why they could uh, get him in the first place Uh, Bookter uh, and Moore. Moore was actually the the closer, somehow had like 20 something saves with an ERA over 5 which is
0: weird it's downright (laughs) Herrera-ish yeah,
1: absolutely um, and then Bookter is kind of an odd case who's like uh, become becoming a uh, major league baseball player uh, and uh, digging himself out of the minors at the age of 29 last year. So um, kind of an odd case, but uh, the Royals have uh, Cahill until the end of this year and Bookter more uh, until uh, – Bookter, I believe, until 2022, more until 2020. Um, so – uh, what are your thoughts about this, Ward?
0: Um, I uh, unusually actually kind of really like the trade that the Royals made, which is unusual in the sense that I've never never been like overwhelmingly positive about a trade. But mm-hmm. when you consider what they gave up, um, they gave up Travis Wood, and they're paying all of Travis Wood's contract for this year and next year, but uh, not the buyout. But not the buyout. Um, they traded Matt Stram, who you know. Could be good, could be useful, um, particularly in a relief role. He's had success there in the past. The Royals had him as a starter in the minors, and he had started three games this year with middling success. Um, So it's possible that he could potentially be a starter, but it's kind of a relatively low ceiling, kind of a mid-rotation at best, maybe. Um, And I, I mean, I think personally, Astoria Ruiz is probably the guy that they're going to regret giving up the most if if everything starts sort of pans out i mean he's an 18 year old kid um in the low minors but he is uh remarkably young and has also performed remarkably well and Mm -hmm. that's the kind of guy that is so far away for the royals right now that it certainly didn't matter for this year and even if he had made his debut over the next three or four seasons it's probably not gonna matter then either um and so it's it's been a good trade. Trevor Cahill made his first start yesterday um, and went four innings, gave up five runs, something like that. I, I not figured. good, Bob. Yeah, it was not. Uh, it was not a great debut for him. Um, Brandon Moore has had uh, a better showing in the sense that you know he's pitched an inning in two thirds and has struck out everybody. Uh, he has four four of his five recorded outs with the Royals have been strikeouts. Um, so he's been doing well in his limited time so far. Uh, and Ryan Buckter, who also pitched... In, every Padre player that they acquired pitched in the game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, he, on the other hand, has not been doing so good. Uh, he's pitched an inning and a third and has uh, zero strikeouts and has walked two batters and kind of put the Royals in a tough situation Saturday. But... Uh, overall, I think the trade is going to be positive, especially for this year. And then, I mean, the guys are under contract for, like, Buckter and Moore are under contract for a long time after this season. Um, realistically, the Royals probably aren't going to be terribly good in 2018, 19, 20. I mean, depending on what happens with starters and pitchers and things like that. But they're going, they're going to lose some pieces that are very valuable to the core of this team. So there's... Always a possibility that if Moore and Buckter can pitch well, then they can be traded in the future for more uh, prospects to help out along the line. So, the trade itself, I think, has been a positive, even if the results aren't there yet. I mean, it's only been a week. So, uh, but over time, yeah, I think it's gonna, I think it's a good deal. It's the kind of deal that they needed to make, and it didn't really cost them. Much of anything to make it, because uh, as much as we may have liked Matt Stram, like the Royals also have Jacob Junis and Eric Skoglund who are both very similar type of pitchers. Even if they haven't had the major league success that Stram had uh, last season. Mm-hmm. So overall, yeah. It's
1: good. I think it's important to note also that, um, Strom was out this year, um, a couple of weeks ago, he suffered, um, uh, patellar injury. So that's a knee injury for those of you who aren't, um, medical professionals. Um, so the good thing about that is it's a, not an arm injury. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, those things just kind of happen. Um, but he just needs to recover from that. Um, so as far as injury goes, I don't think that depressed his value much. You know, because it's a non-arm injury, um, and is not going to impact his his pitching. It just keeps him off the field for now, kind of like an oblique or you know a, a back injury or something like that. Um, Travis Wood, I think, is important. Uh, I don't know about you, Ward, but I think it's almost more important that he's not here just for. Um, I to put it uh, to put it this way, I don't think. Uh, Ned would have stopped using wood, or I don't think that uh, Moore would just release wood. Um, So, wood represented some sort of opportunity cost. When you're pitching wood, you could be pitching someone else. um, And you know wood's not very good anymore, um, but somebody else could be, um, even if they're not super awesome. So, getting rid of wood um, is removing that opportunity cost obstacle. And they're saving a little bit of money, although like one two million dollars is not that much. Um, you're right. Ruiz is the sort of um, the wild card of right. this of yeah. this thing, and I think that's that's why in a lot of these trades, there's often some guy like that where they're like they're doing really well in the rookie leagues or whatever, and a team will just be like you know include one of these guys. They're called lottery tickets for for a reason. You know, most of the times they don't pan out, but sometimes they do, um, and that's you know it sort of is what it is. Um, as far as as far as go, um, but yeah, I to to frame your point about the uh, the Royals having people leaving and that Bookter and Moore could be, you know, uh, trade pieces later on. For any trade the Royals uh, pulled off for this off season, excuse me, uh, this trade deadline, um, they had to sort of weigh whether or not they wanted to really negatively impact the future um, and borrow that possibility for wins and transport it to the present, so to speak. Right. For a trade like this with Strom and Wood being like the two main pieces, you know, I think that's actually really smart because Strom could be a, a piece um, in the rotation, but he's had some other injuries um, you know arm injuries before, and this is his age twenty five season. It's not like this is a twenty one year old you know kid who made his debut, or, you know some Wonderkind or something. Right. Um, and you know what was the opportunity cost? So honestly, you know even if even if this doesn't work out, this is exactly the sort of trade that you sort of have to make. Um, I don't think any of us will ever miss any either any of these three tr- players that they were traded away, um, even if. Uh, The trio of incoming Padres, um, you know, doesn't doesn't pan out as well as it as it could or should. You know, this is just sort of a trade that you have to do. Uh,
0: The Royals made another trade uh, this afternoon, which involves an old friend of the show. Um, One Mister Melky Melkman Cabrera is uh, coming back to the team. The Royals traded. That's right. They traded former first-round pick A.J. Puckett. He was drafted in the first round, wasn't he?
1: He was a second-round pick. He was their first pick. um, Ah, That that year, they didn't have a a first round pick.
0: Tricky. Former second-round pick uh, A.J. Puckett and relative unknown, unheralded, and not particularly good uh, low-minors pitcher Andre Davis was the other... Portion of the deal was probably the player to be named later, but they just decided to go ahead and name him now. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about Melky Cabrera coming back to the team?
1: Oh, just in general, or uh, oh, coming back to the team?
0: Yeah. I um, mean, just okay. So we're probably going to have to break this up into two different storylines because Melky Cabrera on the field is one thing. And then Melky Cabrera off the field has kind of its own backstory. Mm-hmm. So that's, so just in terms of what he brings to the Royals, how do you see him fitting into the team? And what did you think about the trade? So first of
1: all, I, I really like the fact that the Royals went out and got a hitter. Um, I think that shows a little bit of self-awareness um, that you know their their some of their hitters aren't doing so well, um, and I really appreciate that. Um, at the beginning of June, I actually wrote this article, sort of like partially in jest, um, saying you know, hey, this is what it could like look like if the Royals um, you know uh, bought at the deadline, and at the time the Royals were like. Wall- wallowing in last place and it was terrible and everybody laughed at me and look at us now we're talking about the the trades that they they made to acquire play- people at the uh, at the deadline uh but i i focus more on bats because at the time the royals bats had not yet sort of woken out of their slumber um and i do think it's important because you look at um you know you look at the players that they've got on their team um it's really kind of stratified because between the players who are good um you know and really solid at hitting and the and the players who aren't um you know just looking at it right now um so the royals have six uh of their normal hitters um are at least average uh by the stat wrc plus so basically that's a stat that normalizes everything out to hundred. So 100 is average. Every point above or below is 1% above or below league average. That's um, really nice. Um, Cause uh, it takes into account the variations in uh, offense from year to year. And anybody who's noticed that there have been so many more home runs this year, um, you know, as opposed to three years ago, four years ago, um, you know, those, those kind of things are important. Um, so looking at, at the Royals, they've got six players who are at least a 100. Uh, they've got Lorenzo Cain, who's about hovering around 100. Um, then Bonifacio, who's been hovering around between 105 and 110. Uh, so between 5 and 10% better than league average. Um, then Moose, Perez, Merrifield, and Hosmer are all at about 120 or higher in the case of Hosmer. Um, so they've actually got a really good core you know group of players there but other than that they've got alex gordon who's at 58 that's 42 percent worse than league average right that's risk bad then they've got alcides escobar who's 55 percent worse than league average right um and then they have brandon moss who has uh, turned you know things around a little bit of late but even he is 17 percent below league average and he's the designated hitter so you don't really have any you know much room to wiggle there. Yeah,
0: it's it's important to note that he's he's seventeen percent below league average by WRC plus and his uh wins above replacement currently is at negative zero point three. Yeah. Um, which means that he is three tenths of a win below a replacement player at his position. And replacement level hitters at the designated hitter position are still generally really good hitters because they get a massive sort of penalty for only being designated hitters, and uh, the de- the WAR system tries to weight uh, based on position. And because designated hitters are always generally pretty good, the really bad ones are pretty bad, and even the good ones are not as great as you might think they are. Um, so his WRC plus and his WAR are both uh, pretty pretty not good.
1: Yeah, that, that's a charitable way of describing yeah. it. Right. Um, but even even past you know Moss, you think of the other players they have: uh, Burns, Christian Cologne, who is no longer with the organization, um, Paulo Orlando, Chesler Cuthbert, and Jorge Soler. Um, of those players, the best is Soler at thirty-four WERC+, plus, which is. 66% worse than league average which is insane which is you know over a full season like if that player would play over the full season that we'd be looking at one of the worst offensive seasons in the history of baseball um which is why players like that don't play over a full season you know they right. they contri- contribute contributed that little and then get benched like solaire has been but just in terms of per- perspective that's what the royals have is on the bench right it's um, it's
0: it's not even a case of like oh they have a couple of bad starting players who aren't hitting really well, but they, but they also don't have anybody on the bench who is hitting well either. Right. So it's not it's not like a oh well they can just sub in this guy or they can give this guy you know some playing time and and get some at bats for him or platoon somebody um, like the guy that kind of exists as. The platoon option right now is Ramon Torres, and he is also at an eighty-three WRC plus. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is also not not exceptional in terms of his his offensive ability, um, and he's really just there to give days off to people around the infield. Um,
1: yeah. Um- and as far as Taurus goes, you know Taurus is a nice player to have because he can play all over the place. He can pinch run. He can, you know, steal bases, whatever. Um, and Be Drew Butera also not that great of an offensive player.
0: And um, but, also you know, might he's a backup not backup catcher. He also might not that be be that good as a defensive option either. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: you got you got to have a backup catcher though. Um, yeah, I, know,
0: but but you don't have to have a bad backup catcher. True, like, that is true. Brian Pena's are out there somewhere. <laughs> no, he's, that's true. He's... I, I, Butera serviceable, really. Not only is Brian Pena out there, isn't he in AAA right now? Sure, sitting in Omaha like, right like now. Like I was I gonna say, like he's he's, you know. But it it was. I mean, it's probably just one bad game. If if you guys weren't watching on Saturday, Drew Butera put on uh, like the impression of your fifty five year old uncle who has been drinking all day during the 4th of July and has a little bit of sunstroke, trying, <laughs> trying to play catcher in the major leagues. Like, that's kind of how bad that game was for him. Uh, he, gave yeah. up, he gave up three wild pitches, but a nominal catcher probably would have gotten to them. And then he gave up the game-winning run on a swipe tag when he had plenty of time to actually move towards the runner coming down. And was just apparently really caught off guard on the fact that the guy was going to try and avoid his tag. It was, <laughs> it was just a, it was just a terrible, terrible game for him.
1: Yeah, I'll give him the, the benefit of the doubt. He has been pretty good. Um, right. And he's been playing a little bit more, um, which is nice to see because that means Perez is fresher and is better. True. Um, but
0: he has appeared gen- in forty-two games.
1: Yeah, that's right. He appeared in fifty-six last year, which is not not that many. <laughs> Um, but basically, the overarching point is the Royals don't really have, other than their sort of core six players, their offense is terrible. Um, and so, getting Melky Cabrera, who's a switch hitter, he's hitting at about league average this year, um, and uh, over the last basically uh, seven seasons, has hit actually a little bit above league average. You know, uh, over those last seven years, um, he's a switch hitter. Um, so he can hit from the right or left and he's not somebody who could just be neutralized like Brandon Moss. You know, if somebody brings in a left hander against him, you know, you kind of have to switch to someone else or just accept the inevitable strikeout. Um, Milky Cabrera is a switch hitter. Um, so he can, and he's also a corner outfielder, a guy who can play, um, in place of Gordon or in place of well, Bonifacio or in place uh, of Moss. So there's like basically we, three
0: positions that he can get playing time at. We should say he he can play there, but he's bad at it. <laughs> like True. For, for his career, he has almost like negative 100 runs defensively. Like it's – and over the last – like his defensive ratings over the last – Three, four seasons including this year have been -12.1, -15, -14 and -9.3 and that's this year. So he's Are you off- using
1: the defensive component?
0: Yeah, on on fan graphs. Yeah. So that factors in position, I believe? Is that the one that factors in position? Uh, it might not. It, um but the the point is is that defensively, he's never been good, like throughout his career. His best season was in two thousand eight. Uh and that was one of only two years where he's ever had a, a defensive rating that was positive. So mm-hmm. defensively speaking, he's not going to contribute a lot, and anybody who remembers seeing him play at Kauffman Stadium understands. Six that. years ago. Yeah. Two. Right. Uh he takes a lot of weird lines to balls, and he's also not particularly fast, and his arm's not great. So like, there's there's no one like defensive skill where you're like, oh, well, this may kind of make up for that. Um, I think whose playing time is going to get the most diminished by Melky Cabrera's presence is going to be Brandon Moss, because yeah. I I mean, as defensive oriented as Dayton Moore and Ned Yost seem to be. I don't think they are going to play Cabrera in the outfield on a regular basis when Alex Gordon offensively hasn't been good, but he is still a phenomenal defensive left fielder. Lorenzo Mm -hmm. Cain is obviously going to play in center as long as he's able to walk. Um, And the only person I can see getting a day off now and then is going to be Jorge Bonifacio, probably against right-handed pitchers on the occasion. Mm -hmm. So then they could stack... Brandon Moss and Melky Cabrera in the lineup as lefties. Um, But other than that, I mean, the only person who you can sub him out for offensively is Alex Gordon, and you're not going to do that because of the defense. And so the only person really that is currently in the lineup that warrants being taken out who also does not play a premium defensive position is going to be Brandon Moss, the DH, because Cabrera can't play shortstop is really the long and short of it. <laughs> and yeah. the two guys offensively that need the most coverage are Alex Gordon and Alcides Escobar. And neither of them are going to miss a day because defensively they're both really good. Yeah. Um,
1: so Alex Gordon uh, has yet to play or hasn't played about 10 games. So 10 games he sat this year out of 102. Um, so I would, you know, suspect he gets, you know, another, at that rate, another six games off um so you know Melky could
0: yeah that's could stand for
1: him um but
0: well and yeah i i go ahead once september gets here and they expand rosters there's there's probably going to be oh, more chances for off days because right now they're going to have to right. kind of do the off days in such a way when kane gets a day off gordon plays center right and then cabrera goes in to left and then uh, you know when Gordon gets an off day, then Cabrera just goes into left for him. So,
1: yeah, that's actually a good point, and I think um, and it also Royals... f- it
0: also fits because you know against left handed pitchers, they would also probably be more likely to take out Gordon than Bonifacio. True. Huh. The Very more true. the more and more I think about it, the more and more this actually makes a lot of sense. But the thing we right. haven't really talked about yet is that the Royals did trade AJ Puckett, and mm-hmm. he hasn't been great like he hasn't he hasn't destroyed minor league pitching the way that like maybe like foster griffin has kind of been doing this year or historically like zach Ranky or danny duffy early on or you know so, you know what kyle zimmer does when he's healthy or what sean mania was starting to do before he got traded um but he's been adequate in, in the minor leagues in high a this year he was striking out eight batters per nine innings but he was also walking almost four batters per nine innings um his era and his fip were both right around 3.90 um and and so it's he's one of those guys that projectability is probably the the term that gets used the most often i think that he was probably going to end up as a mid like a back end rotation guy or a bullpen arm Um, And if that's all the Royals really viewed him as and didn't think he had any more corners to turn in regarding to his development and and things like that, then it makes sense from that standpoint. But uh, I was kind of surprised to see them trade him when, you know, they just drafted him last year.
1: Yeah, I... The thing about the Royals that you have to consider always is that their track record in developing starting pitching is not very good. Um, and so maybe they thought, you know, this guy who's not a first round draft pick, you know, um, we liked him, we but we didn't love him, you know, um, trading him while he still had some, you know, sort of value. Um, not that they think that everybody they draft is going to, you know, turn out terribly. Um, but, you know the Royals aren't aren't stupid. They know that um, players more often than not fail in the minor leagues. Yeah. So by trading a guy who they think maybe, like you said, is not going to be that you know high of an upside guy, um, or who you know, because he he turned 22, he's in high A ball. You know, that's that's not great. Right. Um. You know, he could make he could definitely make the majors at 24. Right. Um. You know, well, that and wouldn't be on out of the ordinary.
0: I mean, if they and if they view him as like a I don't know, like if they view him as as sort of a Mike Montgomery kind of option, mm-hmm. um, who you know was sort of was highly touted early on in his development and then failed pretty Hit hard and then was traded and then was traded again and is now on his f- fourth team, fifth team, fourth team since the Royals, um, and he's pitching for the Chicago Cubs and doing pretty good in relief roles, but has also started and has not been good. Um if that's kind of all he fought, all AJ Puckett ends up being, then it's the kind of trade that, you know, makes sense for the Royals to make because like you had mentioned, starting pitching hasn't been a strength. Uh he was in high A at an age when he probably should have been at double A at the least, especially for starting pitching prospects. Um and yeah, and it's just he it was one of those guys that had started to perform a little bit after struggling and so it was it was interesting to see them uh, move on from him so quickly. but
1: You know, the unfortunate reality of baseball is that not everyone is awesome and not a- everyone makes the major leagues. Um, and I say not everyone is awesome. Everybody who's in a minor league uh, system is more talented than uh, any of us who are on this podcast or anybody listening to this podcast will ever be at baseball, ever. And yet, you know, not, not everybody succeeds. There's just so many thousands of, of you know I mean, really really solid baseball players everywhere.
0: Uh, I think the the Royals' review performance in the uh, Royals' Twitter family kickball classic this weekend was probably a pretty good indicator <laughs> that we that's are uh, suboptimal alf- athletes. Would probably be the best way to put it. <laughs> uh, I'm am still
1: sore, man. I don't know about you. Uh,
0: I'm I'm thinking I might have a fractured bone in my foot, <laughs> so that's where I'm at. <laughs> Uh, Oh boy. You know, I'm doing good. (laughs) Uh, But you
1: kicked, you kicked the ball. You made a nice diving play at first base.
0: I did. Everybody was real, real. It's always odd. Everybody was really happy to see a very large man make an athletic play. (laughs) You think that's
1: what Billy Butler's entire career was like? Yes. But but, yeah, yeah,
0: I would say so, but also probably times like five or times 10. (laughs) Uh, there's always a little bit of patronizing that seems to go into people thanking me or congratulating me on doing an athletic thing because it's like, hey, look at that. That guy shouldn't be able to do those things. <laughs> and he did it anyway. Yeah. Good, good on him. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, well, I guess, we'll, all right, whatever. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And we've gotten off on a thing. So, <laughs> but, um. One of the next things we wanted to talk about is we were kind of chatting before the show about uh, topics, and one of the things that got brought up is like, so the Royals have made two trades for Milky Cabrera and for Trevor Cahill and company. Yeah. What is a trade that you would have liked them to have made, or would like to see them make? And maybe you know, is are they gonna are they gonna go after you, Darvish? Eh? <laughs> you, you Darvish? You think you think they could help? I guess the question, here's a question for you. How many minor leaguers would the Royals have to include in order to actually be able to trade for you, Darvish, and would it still be worth it for Texas?
1: (laughs) So um, I'm going to answer this in a little bit of a roundabout way. Uh, On the the Steam sale um, earlier in the summer, I picked up NBA 2K17 um, for like $15. It was a really great deal. I've uh, really enjoyed the, the GM mode. Um, and so the, the thing is it's not all about quality uh, or quantity, excuse me it's about quality of, of the things so I would um, if you've not played uh, GM mode in NBA 2K17 and you're trying to build your, your team I, in my case, you know, I'm trying to build the expansion Kansas City team which they let you do, which is pretty neat um, but, you know, I'm trying to get a high draft pick I've got like pick 8 and I looked at the the, the auto-generated rookie for the class of 2023 or whatever, and, like, there's a top four players, and then after that it's just sort of, you know, mumbo-jumbo, um, which is a lot similar to what it's like in real life. Um, yeah,
0: you got to get up in there. You got to get up in the lottery picks there.
1: Yeah, like, there's oftentimes, you know, a top player or a top group of players, and then, you know, then it's just, that's the consensus, and then there's just, you know, it's a crapshoot. And so I'm trying to get from pick you know, 12 to pick three and I'm offering pick 12 and I'm offering this and I'm offering this and I'm offering next year's second round pick. And I have like five things and none of them are as valuable as the one thing that they're offering, even though if the combined value is greater, you know? Um, so and the teams always declined. They're like, no, you're not offering anything of, of that's as much value. So you can't just offer minor leaguers like in quantity. Like everybody has lots of minor leaguers. You have to offer good minor leaguers.
0: Well, you know, I know that. I was just hoping that you would be funny about it. But instead, <laughs> you used an anecdote to belittle me, and I don't appreciate <laughs> that. No, I, I mean, I think you're right. Like the Royals aren't going to acquire anybody that has really been discussed in the national media as, in terms of the trade deadline, right? Because, I mean. E- <sighs> Like, yeah, I mean, putting together a package for you, Darvish, is so impossible that I can't even begin to think about it. Right. It's like and it's Khalil like uh, Lee, Chase Velo, Ryan O'Hearn, probably Kyle Zimmer just because. And Mondesi. Then, and then Raul Mondesi, and then you're probably another player or two short.
1: The reason why I went off on uh, that uh, sort of tangent was um, – you know, I think a lot of fans think, oh, any team can make any any trade for any player as long as they try hard enough for it, and that's you know, it's it's just you know not the case. You've you've got to have certain you know certain types of things, and even your players, you know, the other team might not like your player for X Y Z. Might think that um, you know Velo has too high of a strikeout rate. Like myself, I think that strikeout rate's ridiculous. But <laughs> to answer the original question of what trade would I wish? the Royals to make um, is I wish, I so wish the Royals would have traded for Zach Cozart. Zach Cozart, the starting shortstop for the national league all-star team. Um, National Cozart, uh, national Cozart, that's his name now. um, (laughs) Zach Cozart has been worth three and a half wins above replacement already, which is a lot. And um, the Royals have Escobar who has been done, who has done better lately, but is not still not very good. Um, and upgrading Escobar with Cozart is probably one of the best individual things that you could do to make the team better. Um, Cozart's not a three and a half win player going forward, but he is as good as Escobar is defensively and significantly better offensively, you know,
0: just go out and get him, man. He he also wouldn't cost you a fortune because he's in the last year of team control, isn't he?
1: Absolutely. It's, he's a rental player for half a season and nobody else needs a shortstop. Nobody else needs a shortstop. So the Reds, right. if they want to trade him, if they want to get value for him, right. they've just got to, you know, the only, And
0: the only team really asking is going to be the Royals.
1: Right. And it, it's just like a perfect, perfect situation where you have this player who's not very expensive, which means you don't have to worry about, you know, the Royals don't have the the payroll to Take on a twenty million dollar contract, right? So he's not expensive. It's um, a rental player, so his value is low already. Um, plus, nobody wants him other than you. Right. Just it's it's the perfect thing, and it's of, of course you know Alcides Escobar who has Ned Yost's nudes. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, and it, it's just so frustrating. I can't even put into words the Royals' right. like love of Escobar. Like right. that's the trade make the trade, it makes the team better. Everybody in baseball knows it, but they right. don't. Yeah. For reasons?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's two concern. There, Well, there's really only one con- Well, there's two concerns, I guess, with Zach Kozart. And I'm not saying I, I disagree with you, but I think it warrants bringing them up. One, his BABIP this year is 350, and for his career, it's 282. Mm-hmm. Um, Even, you know, even since 2012, his highest season BABIP was 285 so you can probably expect some regression there from 350 which is high to begin with um and he doesn't strike out you know 25% of the time which would lead you to believe that his BABIP would probably be somewhat inflated just because he doesn't put the ball in play a lot um mm-hmm. and two uh he's currently on the disabled list yeah
1: yeah and that just happened like in the last couple of days
0: yeah like he he's he's on the 10 day DL with a quad injury which Uh, I mean, apparently guys on the DL could get traded. I mean, Matt Stram got traded. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's not that the Royals couldn't go out and get him, but he would not have an immediate impact on the team for another week after the trade deadline tomorrow. And I mean, I, I think it's worth it. Like, if the Royals are serious about this going for it bit that they are doing, and as I wrote last week, uh, they are going for it, so they should go for it. Mm-hmm. Like Zach Cozart may not be a 148 WRC plus, and he probably isn't going to hit 317 for the rest of the year. But mm-hmm. if he if he hits 260 and walks, uh, you know, and has like an on base his career on base is only 302. But uh, if he walks more, like he has been doing the last couple of seasons, where his on base has been about 50 points higher than his average. Then guess what? He's better than Alcides Escobar
1: by a mile. It's it. How good Escobar's been? You know, pretty good lately, but he's still at replacement level. At zero zero point zero wins above replacement level. He's at replacement level. You could theoretically start Ramon Torres that entire time and get the same value. You know, um, it's and, and even if going forward, Zach Cozart is. You know, maybe a little bit le- better than league average. He still has a great defensive reputation. What I think bothers me the most about Escobar, and I promise this is the last thing I'm going to say about this, is that the the Royals sort of think that Escobar is like the only good defensive shortstop left on this
0: earth. Like, right.
1: there are other good defensive shortstops. Well, and some also hit better than Escobar does. Right. He's
0: the he's the only good defensive shortstop who also isn't good at hitting. <laughs> like that's. That's probably the more accurate statement because, I mean, if we take a poke around the league, uh, Andrelton Simmons is great at defense, and he is actually hitting this year to the tune of a 121 WRC+. Uh, If you want to talk about another guy that the Royals could presumably go out and get relatively cheaply, uh, Detroit's Jose Iglesias is way better defensively than Escobar and is is, basically... well, no, I'd say he's better. He's a better hitter, but he's not good. But he's also defensively better. Uh, that's another guy that they could go out and potentially get. Angelton Simmons with the Angels might not be as available, because he would actually probably cost something. Mm-hmm. But guys like Jose Iglesias, who is not a good hitter, but is phenomenal defensively, and guys like Zach Cozart, who is actually good at hitting and is also good at defense are both out there on teams that want to trade them. And so you should I mean it's just it's one of those situations like you you mentioned where it it's the trade that makes too much sense. And I wouldn't and and it's and it's just one of those things where it's Dayton Moore's loyalty to his players has a tendency to get in his way sometimes, which is why Raul Mondesi was the starting second baseman for the first three weeks of the year. Uh, it's the reason why Jeff Francoeur and Chris Young got extensions when they shouldn't have. Uh, it's the reason Bruce Chen. That's actually called the Bruce Chen special. Like that's, that's the deal that you get. You get two years and a mutual option. That's the Bruce, mm-hmm. that's the Bruce Chen special. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. And so it's one of those situations where as, as, as bad as LCD's Escobar has been this year and has been offensively over his career, uh, even if he is performing well defensively, it's it's not worth it at this point. And uh, looking at options to fill those spots or to fill his spot on the team is something that they should have done or should do. You know, trading's permitted in August. It's just a lot harder. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's just one of those things. It's um, I don't personally have any trades that I think they should have made that they didn't. Um, there's, there's, there's nothing that immediately comes to mind outside of what you had talked about that is like, oh, that's you know, kind of so obvious. Like, Why wouldn't you do that?
1: Yeah, and they sort of made a couple of trades that you would have thought if they the, hadn't done anything by this point, you'd be like, the, the maybe o- trade for Cahill or, or Cabrera.
0: <laughs> right. The only other one I can think of is, uh, the pr- well, it wouldn't work out so much now because the Cubs decided to actually start winning games again. Was maybe mm-hmm. maybe you see if they would be willing to trade you Wade Davis back? Like that's that's the that's the only one that that well, also maybe sort of came to mind before the Cubs decided uh, to win like 15 of their last 18 games or whatever it was that they've gone on. Uh, but ever since they started winning again, and they're currently in first place in the NL Central, mainly because the Milwaukee Brewers have not been as good as they were the first you know five weeks of the year Mm -hmm. it's just it was one of those things where like ah if the cubs can just stay bad for another month maybe they should they could trade wade davis but that's not going to happen now so
1: just looked it up i i personally didn't didn't notice that the cubs were in first place um
0: yeah that's the thing the thing is everybody everybody through april and may was like what's going on with the cubs they look pretty bad is it a World Series hangover? Why are they so bad right now? And then, since basically since the Royals got good, around mm-hmm. the beginning of June-ish, uh, the Cubs got better, but since like mid-June, the Cubs have actually been really good. Which also, yeah. mean, which also means that everybody stopped talking about them.
1: Yep, that's true. Then they moved on to more interesting things, like, I don't know, how the St. Louis Cardinals have a losing record. Which um,
0: is... Oops. Sadness because they don't have a football team anymore.
1: I was in St. Louis. um, I was in St. Louis a couple weeks ago. uh,
0: I'm sorry. And
1: (laughs) um, and we were there for for a uh, to see musical. And I saw a billboard there, and it said the billboard said Mizzou St. Louis's football team, which I thought was just really savage, maybe unintentionally savage, but just. Really savage. Like I understand Mizzou if you're interested in uh, expanding your reach into an area which has no football team and is maybe hungry for a football team that isn't like the Chiefs or the Bears or whatever. But like, man, do you have to say St. Louis's football team? That's just that's Really, it's really poignant. Um,
0: yeah, like that. Uh, but, that honestly sounds like something that somebody from Kansas City who hates St. Louis would put on a billboard.
1: Oh man, I I wonder if like somebody in the ad ag- agency like slipped it through everybody and then they just put it and i i don't know i would like to know the story of that and I, yeah it's just just the best
0: slash worst billboard mm-hmm. i've, I've ever seen um how do you move from billboards to danny duffy
1: oh uh, um bears bears Is that bears yeah i don't know
0: if that's my guess i mean Th- that that's mostly a joke speaking of billboards danny duffy that's probably the easiest transition Uh, Danny Duffy has been kind of, uh, I don't know, not gnar lately. Not like, not like terrible, but there's some questions about, uh, some things that are going on with him lately, uh, if, if anybody who has been paying attention, he's only struck out 12 batters in his last, uh, 19 and two-thirds innings. Um, some people on Twitter were talking about him having a touch of a velocity decline, but I think if you actually look... At the, uh, velocity charts, I think he's actually been about what he has been all year. Uh, so not really anything going on velocity-wise so much. Um, but he's not getting strikeouts right now, uh, and I didn't know. I haven't really dove into it as much as I'm sure Sean probably will at some point, because that's what he does. Uh perception wise it feels like he's changed up the way that he's trying to pitch people lately uh throwing you know different pitches and different counts than he was early on and I don't know how how concerning is it of you for how concerning how concerning for you is it that Danny Duffy has kind of had these these struggles over the last three starts or so. <laughs>
1: Um, not particularly a lot, uh, for two reasons. One is that, you know, he was coming back from an oblique injury and, you know, he can say he's all great, but I mean, you and I know, even if you just play, um, kickball or something and you just sort of tweak something or, you know, pull something, even if it's, you know, technically good to go, might still have some lingering effects that at the highest levels of athletics, May you know impact it. So not that much. First of all, and second of all, you know last year when he struck out, you know nine and a half batters per nine innings, that is kind of a bit of an outlier in terms of his uh, his strikeout rate. He's always um, other than last season and the two 2012 and 2013 when he pitched in 11 games due to time John surgery. He's hovered at about seven, seven and a half per nine innings. And I think really the key to Duffy over the last two years is that he's cut his walk rates and he's become more efficient. Not necessarily that he's been striking everybody out.
0: It is important to note that I'm glad that you brought up his walks because over the last three games, he actually hasn't walked. He's walked one guy. Yeah. So even though he's not striking anybody out, he's also not walking anybody over that period either.
1: Yeah. And, you know... You want your strikeout rate to walk, you know your strikeout to walk ratio to be at least two, right? So you want to strike out at least two people for every person you walk. And he's, you know, at about two and a half to three this year. So he's he's been okay. I think you know the the real key and the key that nobody really focuses on. People focus on the more sexy aspects of his pitching, like oh, he's striking people out. He got the 16 strikeout you know game last year. Um, he's been so good, you know, is he's cut his walk rate. And he's been more efficient, allowing him to pitch deeper into games. Um, and those two things were the bane of his existence in, you know, the beginning of his career. He couldn't pitch deep into games at all, and he just walked like five batters per nine innings. Um, so, not very worried.
0: Um, are you? Are you? We'll see. Are you worried at all about uh, the recent uh, decline in Jason Vargas's velocity?
1: No, I just think that's sort of reg- regression. I mean entire tiredness.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think and when we okay, and this is also relative because Jason Vargas's average velocity over the first like 3 or 4 starts of the year was about 87 miles an hour on his fastball and over the last, you know, 3 starts it's down to about 86ish. So it's mm-hmm. not it's not like he's actually gone away in terms of velocity. It's I mean somebody was saying that he was, you know, only touching like 85 on his fastball last game, and uh, that's not true. Uh, he was averaging 86, which his on the year his fastball velocity is 86.9. So, if you were thinking that Vargas was throwing in the 88, 89 mile an hour range, and is all of a sudden throwing 85 miles an hour, uh, that's not the case. He's basically doing what he's been doing all year. The only which... difference, the only difference being, is that his ERA is now three and not 2.13, and so you're like, oh, what's going on now? He was great, and now he's not. It's like, no, he was never really that great. It's just baseball is a game of variance to a large degree, and over the last four or five starts, he's pitched more to what he should have been doing this year. Mm -hmm. So I think Duffy's fine. He'll probably be fine. Uh, I mean, if it happened for the rest of August, I might start getting worried. But mm-hmm. this is also the kind of talk that people threw around about Jordano Ventura, and it's, you know, it's one of those things where if a pitcher's working on things or is coming back from an injury, mm-hmm. you kind of have to expect different results for a while. Um, even if the pitcher is like, ah, like I can pitch. Like, Ian Kennedy is notorious for having, having his injuries linger for a really long time after he gets back to actually right. pitching. So... All right. Well, do we have anything else to talk about?
1: Not really. Um, I, you know, since we last did a podcast, the Royals were in even 500. um, And now we're sitting at 55 and 48. So the Royals have done quite well. They have moved into the second uh, wildcard spot. Right. Um, Not only have they moved
0: into it, but they have taken it over. Yeah, Rainy um, Rainy Giz- Rainy on Twitter uh, recently uh, was countering the argument that people were making. He's like, "Well, the Royals have won nine games in a row, but they haven't, you know, they haven't picked up anything on Cleveland, or you know, the Royals, you know, have won all of these games, but they don't really have anything to show for it." Well, his argument was, and I wish I had it with me right now, is like the Royals. Have won 10 of 11 now. And I. Th- uh, did Cleveland lose today? Yeah, they did. Okay. So, uh, the Royals have won 10 of 11 games. And they have basically picked up, I think, two games on Cleveland or a game and a half on Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But in the wild card standings. The Royals have won ten of eleven, and they have picked up seven games on Tampa Bay.
1: That's right. Tampa Bay is behind the Royals by two and a half games as we speak. Um, and not only that, but the Boston Red Sox and the Royals took two of to three against, are up on the Royals by only half a game. Um, and we're to the point now. Minnesota started to started to sell. I don't think the Angels. Or the Orioles or the Rangers or the Blue Jays have it in them to, you know, get up. Really, it's I, – I wonder if Seattle or Tampa Bay has enough to, you know, to squeeze into that wild card race. And obviously you want – so you want the Royals to win the division because Houston, barring a collapse – is going to get that they're going to win their division. And not only that, but they're going to get that first seed. So you want to win your division. So you avoid playing Houston for as long as humanly possible. Right. Um,
0: well, you know. and I mean, the Astros at this point could quote unquote collapse and still be the best team in the American league by like five right. games. Like <laughs> that. That's true. They could, they could, you know, lose 10 games more than they're expected to over the rest of the year. And they would probably still beat out New York and Cleveland and Kansas city by like six or seven games. Yeah. Like, they're probably. Real, they're really good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Houston's really good. And other than Houston, you know, it's just sort of like, you know, Yankees are good. Boston's good. Kansas city's good out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> you know, really, right. And, then, and, and,
0: and, and, I, and I think that's the thing that is most surprising about all of this, because if you, if you looked at the team now, like if you, if somebody put you in a coma in December of 2016. And you were woken up today and somebody was like, "Here's the MLB standings. The Royals are 55 and 48. They're two games back of first in the Central and they have the second wild card." Uh I don't think anybody who, you know, paid attention to baseball since 2014 would say, "Well, that's completely out of left field." Right. It seems like, pretty normal. Like how how did that happen? How are the Royals 7 games above 500? That's weird. Like nobody would say that, but because we had to live through April. Yeah. Because we had to start the season at 10 and 20, and the Royals are now, you know, 55 and 48. So since starting the year at 10 and 20, the Royals are 45 and 20. Yeah. 8. 45 and 28. I missed the 8 at the end. The Royals <laughs> are 45 and 28 since April. And like that is that is insane. Like that's it's the second-best record in the American League, only behind the Houston Astros. Um, but overall, they currently have the fourth-best or fifth-best record in the American League. Yeah. And that's and that's probably about what you would expect them to be, given their talent and things like that. Now, if I told you that Brandon Moss was going to be a wet blanket for three months and Alcides Escobar and Alex Gordon combined were going to have a WRC Plus of, like, 110, then you might be like, oh, well, how's that happening? <laughs> but... Just if you looked, I mean, if you looked at the team from 2014, 15, 16, and then this year, I don't think they're necessarily doing anything that is way out of normal for them. But I will mention, they're the only team that is currently in the playoff hunt that doesn't have a positive run differential.
1: Yeah, Uh, that's a little disconcerting. So
0: that is a little disconcerting. Uh, They are actually at zero on their run differential. Nice. Which... If you looked at their run differential as little as like 12 days ago, they were at like negative 40 something.
1: Right. It's, yeah. So
0: when you win one game like 16 to 2 and another game 9 to 1, it that helps. It, it helps a lot. So the Royals are in it. The Royals are going for it. They should trade for Zach Kozart, but they probably won't. Uh, Melky Cabrera was a. A good trade and gives them some flexibility in terms of getting off days for some guys that probably need it. Trevor Cahill had a bad first start, but is a decent-ish trade and they really didn't give up anything of value. But when you add in Brandon Moore and Ryan Buckter, you get good value. Danny Duffy's issues lately aren't really concerning. Jason Vargas has regressed, but, you know, he's Jason Vargas and that's what he's supposed to do. And... And I think that's a good recap of everything we've talked about. Yeah, pretty much.
1: Um, t- just just to cap it all off, New York Yankees leading the AL East. Cleveland Indians leading the AL Central. Houston Astros, AL West. Washington, NL East. Chicago, NL Central. Los Angeles Dodgers by a whole lot, NL West. Wildcard teams in the AL. Kansas City and Boston, wildcard teams in the NL Arizona and Colorado the only surprising things about all of that is you maybe say huh Arizona and Colorado that seems weird but like that's it um right n- everything else in the season you think of all the crazy things that have happened people like you said earlier right Chicago Cubs being like what's happening with them you know they've got a you know a, a World Series hangover or you know the the Royals being you know Really, really bad. I mean, just ter- terrifyingly bad.
0: We talked on this par- podcast in May about whether or not they should sell. Like, that's how yeah. bad things were.
1: Oh, yeah. And then Minnesota, come, like, screaming ahead right. at the same time as Cleveland was just sort of wallowing and not being very good. You mm-hmm. know, after 100 games, everything is sort of evened out yeah. or about where you would think you would be. And right. that's, I think, kind of part of the beauty of baseball is that. Right. Everything in the media is geared up for instant analysis, you know. Right. What's your take on this? Baseball just doesn't care.
0: Oh, <laughs> you know what? I completely forgot up to I completely forgot to look up my useless Royals stat for the day. I need to do that I've, real quick.
1: I've got one for you.
0: Oh, do you? Please. I have one for you. Do it. My stat
1: is Hold on. Eighteen. Eighteen. Eighteen is the number of games that Ryan Friel played for the 2009 Royals. A team that had Willie Bloomquist <laughs> already. <laughs> she played 18 games for the 2009 Royals. A team uh, that had Willie Bloomquist, Coco Crisp, Mitch Meyer, by the way. You know, yep. Sidney Ponson. Sidney
0: Ponson, o- opening day starter, Sidney Ponson. Uh,
1: don't you ever forget it yeah so so there you go 18 18, 18 games
0: wow uh
1: 18 is the number
0: was the that useless was that stuff. the was that the scott ellerton year when he had no shoulder but they asked him to pitch anyway
1: i don't want to i don't <laughs> want to know it's uh it, yeah
0: nightmare. they may have been like 07 oh or something.
1: oh oh yes that's who i forgot about um so the Royals at one time in 2009 had Ryan Friel, Willie Bloomquist, and Tug Hewlett uh, and Mitch Meyer on the roster at the same time.
0: Nice. So it was. <laughs> All and right. So with
1: that, I think it's, I think it's time to
0: close. Yeah. It's uh, going to do it for us at Royals review. Uh, you can follow Matt Lamar on Twitter at
1: Lamar underscore Matt.
0: Correct. And I have been Joshua Ward, and you can follow me on Twitter at J underscore K underscore W-A-R-D. All the cool kids use underscores. That's correct. All right. Sure do. Until next time, have a good day.
1: Adios.